special guest with us, Mr. Ian Matthew. He is a Connecticut-based vocalist and songwriter who fuses pop, rock, country, and R&B into his own unique sound and diverse catalog of music, delivering a mix of acoustic anthems, soulful pop rock ballads, and up-tempo rhythmic vibes. Ian's records parallel the true ups and downs of life and create a personal level of relatability for his listeners. Some days he said, I'm like, let's rock, and other days I want to hide under a rock. I think that's just life, and I hope my catalog can be a safe place or escape to feel all of those things as so many other artists before myself have created for me. And we're so glad to have you here, Ian, as a guest on Black Canvas. I'm a huge fan of your music. And you guys, I've had an opportunity to talk to Ian outside of this podcast before, and he has a great spirit and great heart. And we're just so glad to have you here on the show. Hey, man, I appreciate you having me. It's, uh, it was, it's going to be Yeah, fun, I like man. to have fun. One thing about this show is uh, this is definitely not a serious show. This is about us having a get-together where people can get to know you on a different level. And so I created, actually, some fun questions that have the titles to some of your songs. So we're going to do kind of like a fast money round, I like to call it, uh, where you just kind of give me the first response that you have for each one. If you're ready, let's kind of go from there if you're ready for me. All right. So the first one we have, you guys, is directions. Can you remember the last time you felt lost and how did you find your way back into a positive state of mind? Oh, man, I feel lost probably like every three days. Right. So <laughs> I would say I was, the la- last time I felt lost, I mean, there's so many different things, you know, uh, I'd say my biggest thing is, is right now I feel lost every, every couple of days. Cause I'm a father. So, uh, whether it's watching something in the news or, uh, I don't know, just watching my kid grow up, you know, there's, there's not really a, a rule book or there's not like a, you know, a, a parenthood 101 you know i'm sure there's there's definitely a ton of books but it's just like you never know what's going to happen and i always feel lost in the sense of like am i doing the right thing is what do i do next i try to prepare for the future and it's like you really can't when you're dealing with another person you know what i'm saying so i probably feel lost you know quite a bit but um you know going back to the directions thing having having somebody give you decent direction is always nice you know what i'm saying so i do have a good support system around me for when i do feel lost and i usually can get back on track I love that you said that, Ian. I mean, we all need support. And I think definitely we talk about family support or just having the support of people that you work with in the music industry. It helps to ease a lot of that that stress. That way, when you start feeling lost, you can say, hey, you know what? I'm doing the best I can. And, and people are going to be able to give you what sage advice they've been able to use in their own life. And hopefully you can take parts of it and, and kind of cater it to your own parenting skills. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. All right, you did go, you guys, on the first one. Let's see if we can stump them on highway. <laughs> All right, so Ian, if you could drive any car in the world down any street in any country, what would you choose and why? Oh, man, so I'm not really a car guy. So I'm going to say I would drive the first car I ever had, which was a 99 Camry, because I loved that car. And it was just, it was just a, I don't know, I guess it's nostalgia but I would drive my 99 Camry anywhere in the, anywhere in the world or anywhere in the country. Anywhere in the world. You tell me wherever uh, you want to go. Oh man. I'll probably just try and find like a really secluded road. I'll probably want to, uh, yeah, probably just, some, just a nice scenic route. It doesn't really matter where just a nice scenic route with a peaceful view that I could just enjoy in my old car and be, and be, you know, a little nostalgic for a while. I think that's, that's what I would do. I'm not really into fast cars. Fast cars kind of scare me. So I always liked my old car cause it was nice and safe. So I would want a nice car and a nice scenic route. So I know I'm making it home and I can enjoy my scenic route. <laughs> but that's, that's what I would, that's what I would want. So <laughs> maybe something that's not terrible on gas. Cause that's, nowadays, whew. Yeah, I mean, right now everyone needs to start learning how to walk, right? <laughs> ride bikes. Or ride bikes, you're right. Like, this, we've gotten to a point now where gas prices are just going through the roof. So, yeah, I remember when I was younger when gas was like 109, and I'm like, now I'm like, whoa, my gas is just really high. 
Yeah, honestly, I just filled up. I just filled up my tank before I got um, before I hopped on this interview with you, and I paid like sixty dollars. So. <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> so, Ian, tell them where you where you're from. Which which area of town you're in? Uh, so I'm in I'm in Torrington. I'm born and raised in Torrington, Connecticut, which is like northwest corner of Connecticut. So usually, when you mention uh, the state that I'm from, it's usually you know a Bridgeport, a Hartford, a New Haven, um, the more you know the bigger cities. Um, that people know. And I'm kind of more secluded. I'm a little more um, closer to Massachusetts than I am New York. Um, but, you know, I, I like my little secluded area up here, man. It's, it's nice. It keeps me, uh, you know, it keeps me calm and level-headed and it has a nice little spot for me to, to work on my music and all that. So I enjoy it as of now. That's good. I, I'm originally from one of the bigger cities, New Orleans, Louisiana. So living in, yeah. in the big easy and then kind of moving to a smaller town here in louisiana has been kind of a huge difference for sure but yes i think sometimes it's good to kind of have that seclusion in a place where you can kind of call home yeah it was uh you know it's and the thing about my state is it's very connecticut is small enough where even if you are in the bigger cities it's only like a hop skip and the jump for me to get to you so i was you know i'm able to you know be in different places quite often when i need to um so it's it's not you know it's not it's not anything that's detrimental you know it's a nice little area for me to keep my keep myself level-headed that's awesome all right so our next question we have is stay with me who is one of your biggest supporters and how has their love helped you grow as an individual oh man um so my my mother actually my mother was um my father, well, my father was a musician. My uncles were musicians. My, um, my grandfather and my grandmother were musicians and my mother was not right. And she just, I guess she understood it maybe, but she was the first person to ever, uh, gift me with, well, I shouldn't say that my father bought me guitars, but when I first started to want to record myself, my mother was the first one that ever bought me a microphone and a, and an interface for me to record. And that kind of gave me the, you know, like, oh, like she's she supports this. And obviously, you know, like I said, I grew up around it. So it wasn't a very far fetched thing. But just seeing the one person in my family that that wasn't a musician be like, hey, I support you in, in you know, in the form of buying me recording equipment was uh, I don't think she understands how important that was to me. But that's that's one of the things that I like remember um, a lot that sticks out you know, the most, I suppose, when I think about stuff like that, because she's, she's really been the one that, you know, she didn't always understand it, but she never, she never like told me it was a far-fetched dream or she never told me it was, you know, out, out of reach for something, you know, she kind of, she was kind of like, I, I don't get it, but all right, you, what do you need for it? And I was like, you know, that was enough for me to be like, holy shit, she really, she believes in it. Maybe, maybe she doesn't believe in it, but she wanted to support me no matter what. And, uh, and I think that that was huge for me. That's great. Do you mind sharing your mom's first name with us? Uh, my mom's name is Donna. Donna. Oh, my nanny's name is Donna. I just actually talked to her a couple of days ago um, when I wasn't feeling 100%. So I'm so glad. Um, shout out to Ms. Donna. Thank you so much for supporting your son. I, outside of just believing in someone's talent, like the support in the person, you know, it instills a lot in a kid, in a teenager, in an adult when you have that support, especially for moms. Um, I'm very close to my mom, so I, I totally understand, you know, having that connection. And Miss Donna, you did a great job. Yeah, man, she was she was great, man. She would take us to. Uh, I remember she would take me and my brother when we were like 12. She would take us to Warp Tour and stuff, and she would take us to these concerts where we could like go and we would be in the mosh pit, and like she'd be in the back by the soundboard, like making sure we were all right. But you know, just doing that for us because she knew how much music meant to us and how much you know joy we got out of going to these concerts, even when we weren't like old enough to really chaperone ourselves. She took the hit, and and she was like, "This isn't my crowd, but hey, if my kids want to go, you know." So that was that was always something that stuck with me. And I'm very much the same with my daughter now. So um, anything that she really wants to do, I, I'm, I'm fully invested in. That's great. I love to hear that. All right, we got another question for you. Shadows, 
if you could look back at one mistake that you've made in the past and change it, what would that be? Uh, hmm. I would say I'm not really, all the mistakes that I've made as far as like, you know, my personal life, I wouldn't really change any of them, no matter how, you know, crazy they were, because I've always managed to, uh, to learn a lesson from them. We kind of spoke about that earlier before we got on here. Um, I would say as far as, you know, just the music and the self-promotion goes, I would say I wish I got on TikTok earlier. Um, I would say I wish I fully engulfed myself in social media um, earlier in my career instead of kind of trying to play the I'm going to do what I want to do on social media and like people are going to like it anyway thing. Um, Because there's just so many opportunities out there right now from so many like there's you see people all the time blowing up on, you know, Oh, how did, who, who is this person? Oh, they, they're a TikTok star. Oh, they got famous on TikTok. They had one song. I, I saw somebody the other day, he posted a song that he wrote um, about um, a clip from the James Corden show. And he was like, Hey, I wrote this song based on this story. And it was James Corden telling the story of how he met his wife. And next thing you know, he posted another TikTok of the late, the late, late show with James Corden commenting on his post that they want the whole song. Um, and just little things like that. I mean, they, you don't have to go and sit outside the record label anymore. You don't have to have an A&R that, you know, you don't have to have, um, some secret in with, with somebody, you know, you don't have to, there's so much, and I'm not saying you don't have to do any of those things. You don't have to anymore, but it's just, we, we can create our own, so uh, our create our own ecosystems now. Um, based on our social media following. And that is where we go and we have our leverage for the labels or for whatever kind of, you know, deals you want to find yourself in later on. But like that social media stuff, if you can, you know, captivate some people and and create a fan base of people that likes you, you can do this all on your own. You can do it all, you know, on your cell phone. And, And that has never, ever, ever been available to artists like it is now. You know, if you think about the way that a lot of our favorite artists came up, it wasn't just, I went viral on a, on a video and then I got noticed. It was, you know, there's touring and there was, you know, circuits they did and they, they were, they knew so-and-so. And I'm not saying that's, you know, not possible anymore, but there's just different ways now. And I think that I wish I got into it earlier, even, even earlier than I did, you know? I love that you said that about just like artists from the past. Like I, I do remember that people would have to tour and do like little small like mall tours. Like go to this small mall and go to that mall. And yeah, the yeah, yeah, I remember that when I was younger and just and then even people would stand out line out in a line waiting for CDs and just you know I just remember that moment of just waiting. Well, I had the you know I've been I've been making music and releasing music since I was sixteen, let's say. So I watched how it went from uh, I have to get my song on a CD and I have to get these CDs out of my trunk or I have to go and just try and give them out and maybe sell them um, and hope they get into the right hands. Then I saw, oh, I'm going to upload my music on Datpiff, SoundCloud, um, all these different places that came about. And then, you know, there was my, there was even MySpace music at one time. And then it was, uh, now I have, you know, Instagram and like Instagram hadn't really become a place where people went to market things. They just kind of went to post their cool pictures. And then along the line somewhere, someone was like, wait a minute, like I can fucking, I can make, you know, all of these people go to go get, look at my product. Like how, do, so you know, it all evolved. And then, and then it started the streaming thing where it's like, oh, you're not on Spotify. You got to get on Spotify. And, you know, CDs are now obsolete. But I remember pressing up my own CDs in my house. I've literally watched the game change right before my eyes. So that's why I say, like, I wish I knew about TikTok earlier or wasn't so hard headed in the sense of like, I'm not getting on that kids dancing app. Because once I realized what it was, I was like, oh, I don't I don't even see kids dancing on my on my timeline anymore or on my feed. You know what I'm saying? I see people creating music. I see people, you know, uh, doing deep dives in the ocean and stuff like that, doing, you know, hang gliding. It's like stuff that's curated for myself. And I find myself getting lost in it. And it's like, oh, I can be making content that somebody gets lost in. Oh, let's do that. And that's where I, I made the switch in a sense of like, this is a necessity now because 
it's just so it's so big and you have you have so many eyes on you that it's stupid not to. I don't think anybody that's trying to honestly push their music can look at somebody in the face and say, I'm not going to get on social media or I'm not going to get with the latest trend when it's, you know, proven itself time and time again. So. That's where I say I kind of wish I got on it earlier. Yeah. I agree with you. I feel like you have to evolve with the times with certain things, you know, and still keep the values, like you said, that are associated with your posting, how you're sharing it, you know, what type of audience that you have to know your demographic as well of like, who's actually following this music? Who, who are some people I need to reach out to and share it in a different way? Or if I'm creating a new album, like how does that need to differentiate from what I've done in the past? And I think that's just the mark of a good artist of just knowing what your fans want. Um, that's one thing I love about Instagram too, when you can post questions about what are you guys looking for? What, or if you do a live, you can kind of really ask that. Well, direct direction started as a post. Well, I, I, I was in Colorado and I was writing the song and I was doing a, a writing session for a country artist. So I was in this country mood. I was in this country mode. I was in the mountains. Um, you know, there was just this massive land around me. And I just thought about like, if I got lost right now, like I'd never make it home. And so I, I kind of started writing the song in my head. And I just had the, you know, uh, real man don't ask for directions. I had that in my eyes, kept repeating it, kept repeating it. I took it home with me to Connecticut and I kept repeating it, kept repeating it. And then one day I was, I went on my Instagram, TikTok, all, all the social medias, but I made a post and I was like, Hey, I got this song like in my head and I don't know if this is anything. What do you think? And it was just me and my acoustic. So I put, I put it out there and everyone was like, yo, you should definitely make this song. And I was like, all right, cool. So then later on, I was on live on my Instagram and a producer from England that I work with was like, hey, man, I just emailed you. I would love if you check this out while you're on live so I can see your reaction. I was like, all right, cool. So I opened up the file and it plays and, and the, it was the exact melody I needed for real man don't ask for directions. So I just started singing it and I was like freaking out on my live. And I was like, bro, you don't understand what you just sent me because I've been looking for, you know, how to, how to make this song work for, you know, a month and a half now since I've been home. And it just kind of came together organically. And honestly, I don't think that without social media, I mean, maybe I would have made the song, but social media gave me that push and let me know like, Hey, and, and that way, and that was people telling you they liked the song before it even came out. You, hey man, I like your idea. You should do this. Now that's just opening up a chance for me to give you more content. Like, Oh, here's what I did with this. Oh, you want a little more? Here we go. Now you now just giving you opportunities to stay relevant and stay on these people's pages so that you can keep letting them know like, hey, I have this product that I'm trying to get to you guys. And I think it's really fun. And I think you would like it. Um, and you guys were kind of a part of it because you came on and gave me the ideas. And it's just so it's like it's almost like someone throwing you a, a, a you know, a softball pitch. It's like, damn, why wouldn't I do this? It's just opportunities for me to interact with my fan base. I get to put out music. I get to get feedback on music that's not even out. If it's a dud, you'll know. If it's a hit, they might tell you it's a hit. And you go and you make it and find out if it's a hit. You know, it's just, I love it, man. It's easy ways to interact. I agree. I think that's a great platform. And it kind of goes into my next question, which is conversation. If you had the opportunity to sit in a room with three people, now this is really going to be fun, three people who you admired and would like to have a conversation with, who would you choose as those three individuals? And how do you feel your life will be changed after having that conversation? Oh, geez. Okay. Um, three individuals sitting down to have a conversation. Uh, wowzers. Um, can, can I help you? I want to maybe give you my three first. And yeah, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Okay, so the three people I want to sit down with, um, one is Tori Kelly, which everyone knows I love Tori Kelly, one of my favorite artists, and I would love to sit down and one talk to her and just kind of get into what went into being on American Idol, then not making it to the actual top 24, getting on YouTube, having that career, and then being able to build upon doing EPs, then a full-length album, performing on award shows, and then taking it from that to now you know, being able to perform with Scooter Braun, who's um, Justin Bieber's manager, and just being able to become a global star now, being in like the movie Sing 1 and 2. And like, she's really made a huge mark. And I followed her before she became really, really famous. 
And so I'm just so glad to see how amazing she is and just to really get into her brain because she's an amazing guitarist, um, drummer and singer. Uh, so that's one. The second person, I definitely wish I could take a t uh, maybe a walk backwards and talk to Dr. Martin Luther King, um, who is one person I've always admired and researched and, and wanted to learn about his um, legacy and, and what he stood for and, and how he helped reshape a generation. And so he'll be one person I would love to talk to and just ask him, you know, how did you go through a lot of the challenges you went through as an African-American male, things that you were able to stand up for and despite all the, the odds that he faced, even in his death, he still has inspired and, and given hope to, um, to people even in 2022, and especially after things we've seen in the news and media over the last couple of years. You know, it just reminds me of just his strength and, and I love Dr. Martin Luther King. The third person is kind of a toss up. I have two people I really, really, really admire. Um, one would, of course, be my grandfather who passed away. Um, I would love to have him back and to just have a conversation or maybe from heaven, like have him talk to me and just tell me like how, you know, did he know he was going to pass the day before he did? Because um, I had like a suspicion and or discernment, I like to call it, like I felt something was off and I just couldn't, of course, save him because I was young, didn't understand and that's one person I really would like to ask that question, you know, and just kind of see if maybe he was trying to safeguard and protect us by not telling us how bad it actually was. Um, and then maybe the other person who I really love and I think is a musical genius um, was Michael Jackson. I mean, I think like he he went through a lot of controversy and things. Of course, we all know the news and things we saw. But starting out from a very young age as a kid and going through a lot of the traumas that he went through in his entire life um just how did he persevere and still get out on stage and perform knowing that he was dealing with a lot of internal struggles which i think impacted a lot of his decision making and so those are the four i added extra person but and i wanted to choose people from different walks of life different challenges but um, those are kind of what I was, people I would think about. <laughs> All right. So I would pick, I would sit with Billy Joel. Um, I would sit with Andre 3000 and I would sit with Lucille Ball. Um, I would sit with Billy Joel. Hold on, before you, before you tell us the reason. I Lucille Ball, I love that. That's great. <laughs> I love that so, answer. So I, I have a, I love Lucy tattoo on my hand. Really? Yeah, that's my that's that, that's my favorite show of all time. I, I I think it still holds up to this day. And the more I learn about Lucy as a person and Lucy with her time on the show, um, one not only was she the you know greatest physical female physical female comic, you know if not the greatest physical comic to ever walk the earth. Um, she was also a fucking boss and I'm sorry if I can't cuss on here, but she was a boss, man. She, um, she was a, she was in a relationship with Desi Arnaz and she was doing the Lucy show, um, via the radio and Desi wasn't her husband in the show. It was a, it wasn't exactly the Lucy show. It was named something different, but it was along the same premise. And when they wanted to take it to TV, she said, sure, I'll do it. But Desi, my real husband is going to be my husband. And they were like, no, there's no way that anybody's going to buy that a Cuban guy is married to this redheaded, you know, white lady. And she was like, all right, then like, I'm not doing the show. And eventually she, you know, she stood her ground and she got, you know, the the you know person that she wanted to do the show regardless of you know the racial tension at the time and coming from somebody who's in an interracial relationship I look at that as like damn girl good for you you know what I'm saying um she also was you know she spearheaded a ton of other you know Star Trek the Twilight Zone after she ended up owning the you know the building that she shot the show in so like just her just her entire career is insane you know and she was always able to captivate an audience better than anybody I think I've ever seen so as somebody who has to you know use stage presence a lot and and be able to captivate an audience I would love just any tips that she could give me of like how to keep you know 
the not the not the act but how to how to make the theatrics work into into your into your craft you know and so i think it's she was just genius and like i said the show still holds up to this day from laughs to concepts to everything so um that's why i want to talk to lucy um andre 3000 i i have and i also have an outcast tattoo as well so i um i always look to them in a sense of you know i jump genres a lot Sometimes, like I said, I'm in a country mood. Sometimes I'm in a pop punk mood. Sometimes I want to write an R&B song. Sometimes I want to write a, you know, a classic Bruce Springsteen like rock and roll song. Um, and every time I'm like, oh, maybe I shouldn't do that because it's too left field. I go and I put on, you know, AT Aliens or, you know, um, even Southern Playalistic because that was, you know, so different from where they ended up. But that was where they started and they were able to, you know, uh, perfect the rapping craft. And then while they were rapping, they were bringing in these, you know, these sounds that we had never heard before. And it, and it worked. Like if you listen to bombs over Baghdad, like that wasn't something that you heard often. That was like a, what the, what is this? You couldn't really understand it. And I think that's what I always loved about outcast was, you know, I'm an East coast guy. So like I grew up on New York hip hop and uh, you know, East coast hip hop. So I, I know the boom, boom, pap, and I know the cadences that we have on the East Coast, and I love them because they ride very, very well. And then all of a sudden, the South came out of nowhere with these cadences where I was like, all right, what is this? And it was just so intriguing. And I kept following, you know, Outkast, Goody Mob, UGK, all these Southern, you know, Southern acts. And I was older, obviously. I mean, I was younger at the time when they were already, you know, in the game. So I had to do a lot of research. But in doing that research, I was like, whoa, these guys completely transformed themselves into whatever they wanted at any time they wanted. And, and they were able to do it. So I always look to them for, you know, originality. And then Billy Joel, I just think is one of the greatest songwriters of all time. Um, he's up there with like, you know, it's funny, I put him in the same category, but like Biggie and Billy Joel, as far as storytelling, I don't think it gets much better. Um, Billy Joel, I, my mom was a Billy Joel fan. I had, she had a box set when I was a kid, I was probably like 10 or 11. I got grounded and I was like, you know, I'm going to steal her box set because I know she loves it so much. And uh, I ended up putting on the records and reading the the lyrics as I listened to the records. And I like became a fan while I was, you know, on punishment, trying to get back at my mom. And I was like, oh, she just turned me into the biggest Billy Joel fan without knowing. But I would love to pick his brain about, you know, songwriting and, and how he did things and, you know, the stories that he told in the songs. I love that. Now, this is my um, back up to that question. Do you have a Billy Joel tattoo? <laughs> um, I um, I just don't think I've found the right one yet. There's so many okay. options that I do have. Um, yeah, no, there's definitely a couple. One of my, when it, probably 2016, I think it was, I had released a mixtape and I uh, reenacted the, uh, or I replicated the, uh, the cover of The Stranger where he's like on the bed with the suit and he's got the mask on the bed. And, and I, I recreated that for my album cover just as kind of like an homage um, to Billy Joel. So that was, that was pretty cool to be able to do that. But yeah, he's definitely like somebody where when I listened to it, I was kind of, I was kind of taken aback and, and I read the stories or I, I call them stories, but they were just songs. But when I was reading the, the lyrics along with the, I felt like I was reading a song. If you look, like take like scenes from an Italian restaurant and you just read it, it's almost like, you know, you can read it as, as a story, as like a poem or something, as like a one page paper that someone gave to you. And it still makes sense. And it's still like, you still get that. But then all of a sudden he puts this symphony behind it. And it's like, wait a minute, what dude? Like, it was just so mind blowing to me. And you heard a song like Vienna, like, I don't know. It was just something that caught my, my attention as a kid. And I always paid attention really to, uh, you know, good songwriting because I was always a rap music fan. And I always felt like the, the ability to use words was so important and so, you know, vital. And don't get me wrong. There's songs that don't need intricate words, but then there's some that have them and it's amazing. Or there's some that the, the words aren't intricate, but they hit you as if they were. And I, I think that is something that I've always been like really intrigued by. No, I love Biggie Small. Everybody knows I love Biggie and I love Tupac. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. No, and that's the thing, too, is, right, like, two two amazing writers, but two completely different styles and two completely different point of views in the sense of, you know, what they were writing about, you know, like, 
it was, it, you can, you, you both, you felt both emotions, but you knew that it was, that there was like a different emotion in each, you know what I'm saying? Like listening to, um, uh, a Biggie record and hearing him tell a story, whether it's like, I got a story to tell or, um, you know, uh, blank bleed, you know what I'm saying? That, like that record always, always blew my mind at the way that he was, you know, he's able to end that record on a joke. It was such a crazy record of just like mayhem happening in this apartment building. And then it was like, oh yeah, the, uh, they range got towed and double parked by a hydrant. Stupid motherfuckers. And he just laughs at the end. And it was like, wait a minute, what? Did he just do that? But it worked. And it was like, oh, only he could do that. You know, and it was just so that's the type of thing where, you know, I my, my writing is very much entwined in who I am so that people can hear something I write and then go, oh, yeah, that's really him. You know, I mean, that's really something he was able to do and pull off. That's dope. I love that. Now, we have another question for you. This is one night only. So this might be a fun one to see if you choose Billy Joel on this. <laughs> this might be really cool. All right, you get to choose one night at any venue. Where are you performing? And do you ever get stage fright or anxiety before a show? And the last part I want to add to that, would you want to perform with someone else? If you could choose an artist, who would you want to perform with? So if there was one venue I can do, there's a venue in my in my city. It's called the Warner Theater. And it's um it's a very well-known theater. Uh, they do some some very, you know, big acts there. Um, it's a it's a smaller theater, I would say, but it's just very it's it's got a lot of history in my city. Um, it's something that I've grown up. You see different names on the marquee every day. You drive by it. We don't live in a big city, so everybody sees them. Um, I would love to be able to see my name up there one day, um, just for you know, just because that's the hometown, and I would love to be able to do you know the biggest venue in the city and be able to have my home you know my hometown there. I think would be really cool um to open or to to do a to do a, a set with or something wow that's tough um hmm. damn i don't know maybe i would get like i would want to perform with like the the choir from you know the high school in the city i would want to make it like a a a hometown event where i get a whole bunch of different people um, the famous people would be cool. I probably would pick like a Billy Joel or some legend or something, but I think it would bring a lot of excitement and a lot of really cool opportunities to get everybody involved. So have like, you know, the choir come down or have like some local musicians, you know, come down or bands that are around and have them play with us and really just kind of be like, yo, or, you know, we used to do garage shows and we used to do, you know, bar shows. And now we got the, we got the Warner dude. That's pretty cool, man. Like, I don't know. It'd be something that that's, I guess, more for myself, but it's something that I would want to do. You know, maybe it wouldn't mean as much to everybody else, but it definitely mean a lot to me. I like that answer. I mean, I feel like local businesses and local talent doesn't get seen enough and doesn't get, uh, well, you'll st sometimes see people from small towns when they become bigger, they kind of forget where they came from or what it took to get to that stage. And I think that's great that you would want to start that way and then maybe be able to continue maybe taking those people with you on tour and just saying, Hey, this might be a great way to show my hometown and, and what we actually have to share. Um, I, I really love that answer. Yeah. Thanks, man. All right. We got another one for you. Ashtray. What is one of your biggest pet peeves and how do you move forward in life after a disagreement and the dust settles? Um, I think one of my biggest pet peeves is when people's socks don't match. Yeah, I don't really have a lot of pet peeves, I suppose. I, I'm, I'm pretty easygoing. Um, I would say maybe like, I, I don't know. Like, I guess every, all the normal stuff annoys me, you know, like if people don't hold up their end of the bar game, stuff like that, you know, if you can't really you know, but I don't really have a lot of things that set me off because I always, I give people, I, I, I'm i a person that maybe gives too much slack sometimes, but I kind of, I kind of give a, a, a lot of distance for people to kind of like mess up and, and maybe possibly do better. So not a lot of things annoy me. Um, but what was the second half of the question? 
the second half was um, how do you move forward in life um, after having a disagreement with someone or when the dust settles? How do you move forward without holding a resentment? I mean, I was, <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> I always look at the uh, argument itself or the disagreement, right? Like if it's a, if it's a valid disagreement and we can, we like, I've, I actually just had, you know, a disagreement the other day with members of my band. And I was so impressed at the way that we handled it and the way that we were just honest with each other. And we kind of understood this may be a little awkward to have this conversation, but let's have it now before. Cause you know, we've all invested a lot into it. You know what I'm saying? So it's, it's one of those things where, uh, things, something had to get brought up. We brought it up. Um, differences were, you know, were brought up and we were like, Hey, I feel this way. Someone else feels this way. And we ended up finding, you know, coming to a mutual agreement. We were all able to be like, all right, cool. So like that situation's good. No, we don't have to really No, Everything's cool. All right. Bet got back to work. And, and to me, like, that's the best thing you can have. You know what I'm saying? Like if you got a bunch of people you work with where it's like, you just sit down and be like, Hey, I see this this way and here's why. And then you have somebody else be like, well, I see it this way because you know, X, Y, and Z, and then you'd be like, all right, well, where can we meet in the middle? And that's kind of what happened. And that's that. I mean, what, what else could you ask for? You know, so if the argument is it goes bad and like you end up finding a lot of people just don't know how to argue because they'll come to you with an argument. And it's really not something that they want to solve because you'll be like, OK, well, here's our options for solutions and nothing works for them. So it's like, all right. So like it's either your way or the highway is what you're telling me, because then we can't you know, I don't really try to work with people like that. You know, it's a lot of times, I guess, in my sense it's my way or the highway because I'm, you know, with in creative control of this project, but, you know, working with other people or have bringing other people in, you have to be able to have those conversations and, and, you know, be able to give and, and, and take at the same time. So if people can't do that, I usually just like, I write people off and I'm not the type to ever really keep something going. Like if I have your number, I can get rid of it just as soon as I, got it. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, we don't, we don't have to carry this. All right, cool. It didn't work. All right, bet. I've had so many people I've worked with where it just didn't work out. And now it's like, all right, that's just the way it is. All right, cool. We don't, I haven't spoken to them again. I'm not going to bash them online. I'm not going to go and, you know, keep hassling anybody. It's like, all right, cool. It didn't work out. That's what it is, you know, but sometimes you figure out who people really are when you work with them. And then you got to just make that decision. And I'm never the confrontational type, like for what, you know, why do that? That takes away from what I'm doing. So it's always just like, okay, let's make sure that my path is still going straight and we have to either replace this person that we lost, or we just need to figure out a new situation on how to work without them. But either way, like my machine doesn't stop. So you just have to, you know, try and work it out with the people that are worth working it out with and then kind of cut the other people loose that aren't. I love that too. I feel like that that's a sign of maturity as well, because arguing with someone about something that they do not believe is true or false or whatever it is in a scenario, it's not going to change the perspective of where you're going in your career unless you hold on to it. And the more you hold on to that pain of frustration, it can cause you to build, like I said, resentments toward other people, even towards yourself, because sometimes people can take you outside of your comfort zone and then you start responding in ways that you wouldn't normally respond. Um, I know one of my biggest pet peeves is when someone continuously talks and is not willing to listen like someone who talks over someone when they're trying to explain their their point of view and don't they don't give you an opportunity to share what you're feeling because I'm I'm a person I love to listen to everyone and then if I'm going to share something I try to be as insightful and thoughtful about what I'm saying before I share it so if I'm trying to share something I think that's going to be sage advice or a suggestion and someone cuts me off then I'm feeling like well you don't really want to hear what I'm saying in the first place. So that to me is a big negative for me. You know, I feel like there's room at the table for everyone to be able to, to speak their view, even if you don't agree with it, but we can still be respectful about a disagreement. And it's kind of like what you're saying with your band, y'all were able to kind of talk it through, work through it and say, Hey, this is where we're at. Instead of this is how everything should always be because things are going to happen where we really have to sit back and look and say, Hey, did this really work out? Or did I just bulldoze my way to make sure it made sense to me instead of. Well, bro, you know, I apologize. You just, you were just talking, oh, about talking over you. I came <laughs> go ahead. I no, I apologize. Um, no, but what was crazy to me was what, so my initial reaction to having like, you know, the, the 
initial, not, not even argument. I don't even want to use argument because that's like not the right term. It was just kind of like, hey, here's my concern. And then the other person was like, hey, I have a concern about your concern, you know? So I was, I was really impressed at how well it went over. And going into it, I kind of was like, oh, damn, here we go. All right, now we have to, I kind of went into it negatively. And I think that's because I'm so used to the conversations like that when there's differences going negatively, which has kind of showed me like, oh, maybe not every, like really not everybody knows how to actually sit down and have a conversation and figure shit out. So when it happened to me, I was kind of surprised that we worked it out as fast as we did. Cause I like wasn't expecting it and nothing towards the, the band whatsoever, but just my previous experience, previous experiences with people I was kind of like, oh, I kind of know how this goes. Usually, like, we can't settle this and we're both kind of stuck in our ways. Because, like, musicians were, when it comes to creativity and stuff like that, we're very, very stuck in our ways sometimes. And, like, we can have a great collab, but, um, you know, we all have things that we're very, you know, we're, we're sticklers on and we want it to be a certain way. So sometimes it doesn't always work and that compromise is not always as easy when it comes to creativity because people have their own vision of how they want their art to come out, which is something you have to respect because I want people to respect my creativity or my, you know, my creative control when it comes time for me to have the creative control. So um, being able to do that was something that I was, you know, very impressed with and I think it helped bond us as a band as well in a sense okay we can figure shit out we all know that like we can have awkward conversations and still say i love you at the end of the night you know what i'm saying i I agree and i think that's something that you can use as a life lesson for your daughter as you mentioned and that's just even in friendships and family relationships your family sometimes will fight more than anybody and it's you still have that's your blood. That's someone who you still love, but you don't have to agree with everything, but you should still leave the, the night, you know, it was some sort of resolution. Even if you don't have an, an understanding fully of the problem, you can still say, Hey, I'm choosing not to go to bed tonight with the same feelings and waking up feeling the way I felt the night before. And I feel like that just goes with, with time and experience and maturity. Um, when you start being able to combine all of those three together you you don't have to have the same old hurts that are going into new relationships. So um, I'm glad that you were able to say, hey, this was something different for me. I was used to this in the past. This was my experience. But in this scenario, it actually surprised me, but in a good way. So I think that that's amazing. It's great. So Ian, I got three more questions yeah. for you. So the next one we have is letting go. Um, if you could create a motto or a quote using the words letting go, what would you say would be your 2022 motto or quote using the words letting go? <sighs> is it worth letting is it worth letting go for your big picture? And I would say you should ask yourself that when it comes to ask when it comes to situations where you feel like you have to let things go and you look at your big picture and you say, what are my goals? What are the standards I've held myself to? What do I want? And is this, you know, this dilemma person, whatever it may be, um, do, is it is it worth letting go? for the bigger picture and if and if you say yeah because it's hindering your bigger picture then i think you have your answer and then if it's hard to do then you have other things to kind of analyze as far as like why is it hard to do and what can i do to get over that um but you know if you find yourself saying like no it's not worth letting go for the big picture which i would say you know brings back the band thing where you look back and you're like hey i got four guys that are willing every every week to meet up twice a week with me to play my songs, you know, is it worth being hard-headed and possibly losing one of the members of this really cool tribe that you've now created? Or is it smarter to let your pride go, sit down and talk like men and say, hey, maybe I was wrong. Maybe there's somewhere I can compromise or, you know, really try and 
teach them why you're, why you're feeling this way, you know, and then, and then lead to an understanding. So it's like, in that sense, I had to say, it's not worth losing these guys. Let's sit down and have a conversation and work this out and get everybody on the same page again, because, you know, it's not worth it to lose them. But I've had band members where I've asked and said, is it worth it to lose it for the big picture? And it was like, well, yeah, and it's going to suck and it's going to be maybe a little awkward, but eh, you got to do what you got to do for the bigger picture because I asked myself, what's my goal? What's my standard? And if, if, you know, this current situation isn't living up to that, you're only doing yourself an injustice by not holding yourself to the standard that you say you keep for yourself, you know? I love that. I think, Ian, I would love for you to copyright that. I think that's a great quote, um, to be honest. I think, like, the bigger picture can mean a lot of different things outside of just even being an artist. It can be the bigger picture um, spiritually for some people or just even in a relationship, like you said. Oh, I just I just dealt with it in my relationship firsthand. I just dealt with it. Is it worth letting go for the bigger picture? And it wasn't. It was worth figuring this shit out for the bigger picture, and the bigger picture looks so much better now. You know what I'm saying? It was it was one of those things where we had to ask ourselves and we were like, no, let's do it. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, it, 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 we, I was able right. to use that in different in different. And you, you, were, you hit the nail on the head when you said you can use it in all different situations, because because I think, you know, I've had to. Absolutely. And I, that just shows, like I said, remember in the beginning, I mentioned about your maturity level and your heart. And I really meant what I said when I said about you having a genuine heart, um, because you have to have that to get into any type of relationship, whether if it's dealing with music, if it's an intimate relationship, a familiar relationship with parents, or you have to have a certain genuine heart and a mind, a kindness and a mind to be willing to do something different if the situation calls for it. You know, it's not about being right or wrong. It's about being able to understand and be empathetic um in the scenarios when you need to be and then in the, there's sometimes where silence is golden where you don't need to say a word but just your behaviors change and then people can actually be around that change in behavior which will help them to be able to grow and get to know who you are as a person as well so I love that you said hey I, I use this in different facets of my life because that's how people get to know who Ian is as a musician because you get to use your life as art and people get to hear the songs and they're like that's who Ian is, and, and they, they, they can appreciate that. Absolutely. Yeah, I think now with the music, if I, if I, if I put out music, you can, you can pretty much, you know, guarantee that it's from a place of, of you know, genuity. And it's, you know, it's really something that even, even, my, even my co-writes, when I get, you know, a chorus that's given to me, or the start of, you know, the sometimes me and my uh, co-writer, my manager, he's my co-writer as well. Sometimes, like, he'll give me one line and that's all I need to spark something that I'm like, oh, I know exactly what that is. Or give me a, he'll give me a chorus, right? And I'm like, all right, cool. Now I get the chance to take these verses and make them, you know, one, personal to me, but also relatable to other people in a sense of, I don't really like to, t- like, I like to tell stories, but I like to tell the I like to describe the feeling of being in the situation from the story, because a lot of times like Ashtray um, was written originally based on a story. And it was a very, very specific story to myself. Um, Ashtray took about three years to finally complete. So I wrote it in San Francisco and I wrote the chorus and I, and I brought it home and I like say similar to directions. I just couldn't find the, the right, you know, instrumentation for it. And I'm not a producer. So it's, it's me finding other people to help me bring this vision to life. So finally I found the right thing, you know, three years later, but in the meantime, I had, I already had a first verse on it and I had taken that first verse and put it on a different song um, that I did a feature on. Cause I felt like it just fit better. And it was a little more opportunity for me to um, get more personal um, on a, on a song I, that I thought it felt fit better on. So then when I came back to Ashtray, I was like, okay, I want to rewrite this first verse because I've already used the first verse on something else. So I don't want to use the same verse. I said, but I feel like the verse I wrote was way too personal and not as relatable. Like, sure, I was telling you my story, but it wasn't necessarily like someone could be like, oh, I've been there too, because it was so specific. So I wanted to write about the feeling I had of being up at 3 a.m. with a full ashtray by your bed and you're kind of curious as to like, what's really going on with me? Um, Why am I so stressed out that I have an ashtray full of cigarettes next to me? 
and there's no really sign of me stopping. So that was, that was more me being like, I know that people have felt this feeling before. Let's see if I can write something that relates enough where people go, Hey, I know what you're talking about. And actually I think I did really well on that because that's probably one of the songs that I have the most, you know, reaction to and the most feedback from of like, Hey, Ashtray really helped me through X, Y, and Z, or I listened to Ashtray, you know, somebody just tagged me today in the Instagram post of them listening to it down in Florida. Um, so it's, you know, it's still a record that's still going for me. And I think it's still going because I was so genuine on it. And I was able to really capture that, that feeling that a lot of people have had as well. And that's kind of what I focus on when I write. I love that. And Ian, I love all your music. Like I said, all these songs that I've kind of talked about with Ian, I've heard them and they're amazing, you guys. So if y'all haven't listened to it, I hope y'all will stream his music after we're done with the interview because he will be giving y'all links to how to find him. But Ian, I got two two more questions for yeah. you. So the first one is, if you could give your younger self one piece of advice, what would you say to young Ian? And then the second and last question is, um, how can our listeners find you online and what's next for you? Um, so I would, it's funny, man. I would, I would tell myself to uh, really listen to that one line in the Billy Joel song, Vienna, where it says, slow down, you're doing fine. You can't be everything you want to be before your time. And as I got older, I realized that a lot of the lessons that people were kind of, you know, pointing me in the direction of, um, I had to learn on my own. Um, maybe I didn't have to, but um, the way that I learned them on my own, um, that's just what it was. And as I got older, um, I, I started to value different things and I started to uh, put more importance on, you know, things that I never would have thought I would find important. Um, and then I kind of realized that like I, I took a hiatus from releasing music before directions to kind of really just focus on why I was doing it. Like what, what did, what was the purpose of me getting up and, and writing songs and, and going to the studio and spending so much of my time away from my family, you know, doing what I love. I was like, do, do I love this anymore? And I, I, I felt like I was kind of root, doing a routine so I, I went back and I was like, well, what, what is it that I love about this? And I just listened to old records and I, and I got goosebumps again. Um, and I said, that's what I want to do. I said, I want to make music that gives other people goosebumps because of the fact that I either said something that they relate to. Um, I used a chord progression that just made, you know, the hair on the back of their neck stand up. Um, I had... portray in um in the song i don't know I, I wanted to make sure that i was connecting and and i remember when i was a kid i used to uh i used to listen to records man i would listen to a song before i would go to school and i was like an insecure kid you know so i would listen to, to records like i would listen to method man records and they would just make me feel so pumped up and so powerful and i was like damn i want i want to do that i want to do this for somebody else i want somebody else to put my head to put my song on before they walk into middle school and feel like you know a confidence boost when they walk in because they have an Ian Matthew song playing. Or I want somebody that's dealing with a loss to listen to my song and say, I want to listen to that again because in this, in this time that, that, that three minutes that I felt good, I felt good for that three minutes. You know, if that's, you know, what I can offer to the world, that's, that's what I want to do. And I, and I really went back and I, I've made records that are just feel good records. The only, the only purpose they have is to make you feel good, which there's, there's a right time and a right place for all those. And I have those, but I wanted to focus on the records that really like meant something to me that I think, you know, I've been through some things. I feel like other people have been through some things. I want to talk about these and I kind of want to use it. I use it selfishly. I use it as like, hey, you guys ever felt like this? So then when other people say, yeah, I felt like this, it's like, oh man, okay, I'm not crazy. But at the same time, these people are saying, oh, this guy just put out a song and so I'm not crazy either. So it's just like, I want, I want us all to not feel crazy together, you know? And I feel like that's really what I wanted to do. And that's the goal that I have is to just, you know, if, if I don't win an award for music, all right, cool. But if, you know, a couple people DM me and say, hey, man, that song really got me through a tough time. I'm all right. Thanks, man. 
that, that's all I needed. That's great. I'm glad you dug it. Um, and that will have me in the studio next week to make sure I have another one, you know? So. I love that Ian as well. I, I feel like that's paying it forward for the younger generation, kind of like how your mom did the same for you when she was able to help you with financing and getting the equipment for you, which then gave you the opportunity and your dad buying guitars, buying these different instruments was just the beginning start of what, what we see today. And you being able to release music that people connect with, you never know whose life you're going to impact. I always like to say musicians are very similar to like teachers, because when you think of like a school teacher, they may teach kindergarten to first grade. They won't know 25, 30 years down the line what that child will turn out and what they will be able to become. But they left an imprint in that kid's life that has made a lifetime of changes that that person will remember that this teacher took time out of their busy schedule to make sure that my education was was at the forefront. And it's kind of similar to you being a dad, like the, the moments that you're away, it can be really hard. You're like, man, what am I going to do? Like, why am I doing this? You know, I really am missing things, but you really aren't because she's going to learn about, you know, when dad's in the studio and when he's doing these things <laughs> that it's for the betterment of, of the family unit. And there's going to be times where you are actually there. You're going to actually appreciate those moments where your, your mind won't be in 10 different directions. You're actually going to be physically and emotionally present with her um, in those moments because you will know that you don't want to miss out on that experience. Absolutely. So I'm, I'm very proud of you. I think you, you've done an amazing job thus far in your career, but as a person as well. Um, and your growth has been through those challenges as I asked earlier about like, um, if we could change things in our lives, you know, sometimes we, we shouldn't change, you know, it's like, Hey, I went through that, that built me up and gave me the strength to be who I am as an adult today. So I think you answered that perfectly. Thank you, man. All right. So the last question I had for you is, um, how can our listeners find you online? And do you have anything new you wanted to plug for us? Um, so the only thing new that I have right now is, um, is my new single directions, um, is out everywhere. Any DSP that you listen to music on, it is there. Um, it's a song that I wrote, um, kind of about growing up and realizing that a lot of the lessons that I was taught on, you know, how to be a man, quote unquote, were not necessarily the most true things that I've ever heard. Um, and it's kind of like, a you know, it's a take, it's a take on a, on a, on a boys don't cry kind of, uh, phrase. So, um, yeah, my new single directions is out. Anybody that's looking to find me, um, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, uh, Facebook, all, um, Ian Matthew music. You can find me at ianmatthewmusic.com as well. There you can find the links to all of my social medias, um, YouTube as well, Ian Matthew music. So yeah, um, that's where you can find me. I have a ton of new music in the vault because when I took that break, I wasn't just, you know, you know, hanging out. I definitely experimented. I found records that I love. I found records that I hate. I found records that, you know, needed people on them. And I just did a whole bunch of different, different stuff. And I think we kind of honed in on what we want to do next. And so we're going to get ready for another drop, but as of right now, directions is out, but I do have a ton of new music coming. So anybody that is looking forward to it, um, it will be coming. And I appreciate you uh, even looking forward to new music. So. Well, I'm definitely looking forward to it. And I'm also looking forward to hopefully in the future, if you're interested in being on my second podcast, which is called Space Between, where I have artists come on and sing live and perform live. Um, I would love to have you back in a couple of months if you want to perform some of those new songs and some of your old hits that you've already released. I would love to have you back on if you're interested. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. So y'all heard that Ian said he wants to come back. So we're really excited um, thank you so much, Ian, not only for being a part of Black Canvas, but sharing your story with us. And let's remember you guys to embrace our uniqueness because the world is our canvas. Um, thank you so much, Ian, for being on the show. Oh, thank you for having me, man. It was a blast. This is a great hour. I've had such a great time getting to know more about you and you sharing your story. And I, I think I've learned more about who you are as a human being, more than just a musician. And you're off to a great start. So thank you for being here and sharing your story with us. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it, man. All right. Well, you have a great rest of your evening, and I'll talk with you soon. Likewise. Be safe. Okay, you too.
All right, bye. I'm not afraid of